God's grace, his mercy, and his peace, they are yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is our Sabbath rest. Amen. The word of God we focus on today is the gospel lesson where Jesus is confronted outside a grain field, and it connects closely to the first lesson in the Old Testament concerning David and his companions. And as far as the Pharisees were concerned, this, this is going to be easy. A slam dunk. I mean, they're going through the grain fields and, and there were the disciples of Jesus recently called. They were grabbing tufts of grain off the tops of stalks and obviously you got to rub them a little bit to get the, the, the husk off so that you can throw a few in your mouth because they were hungry and and this was obviously a violation of Sabbath rule. The, the rabbis have established this long ago. This was, this was common practice. This was just flippant behavior. They had to know they were being watched. Jesus just started his ministry, and he just started calling his disciples. He'd done some pretty dramatic miracles right off the bat, showing his power and that he truly was the Messiah. But the Pharisees didn't expect this kind of Messiah. No, they had gone so far to the left of, of what Scripture said and what Scripture's law was to point to that even though the Messiah stood before them, what did they see? They saw followers of this guy breaking Sabbath law. And they confronted Jesus, how can you allow this in your sight? It's obvious that they are breaking the Sabbath law. Well, how do we get here is the question we have to ask. Is this what God meant when he established the Sabbath on the seventh day, at the day of rest, when creation was done, God who had done it all, and then man and woman there, he said, work the garden, it is all yours. And that seventh day he decided to rest. He ceased from all labors. He pondered what he had done and what happened on that day is everything that was very good brought him great joy. And he took a whole day just to observe it, just to receive the, the, the joy that Adam and Eve in, in pondering all that God had done, that was joy as he looked and he received God, the man and woman uh, serving him in the perfection of creation, that Sabbath, and then then God had to reestablish Sabbath law in a different way after the fall. He had to come and, and establish a very firm statement that says, you will take a day of rest. For six days you can labor, get all your work done. On the seventh day, I want you to cease from doing labor. And, and what that meant was that you have six days to do all the things that bring you profit, six days to do all the things that busyness in life has. But on the seventh day, I want you to take a step back and just ponder, take a break. Just look at all that God had done and, and the blessings that are just around you. Take a moment to just find joy in how good your God is. That was the point of the Sabbath, but you know, that's a pretty broad statement. How do I do that specifically? Whether we want to admit it or not, we like to have lists that we can check off in our mind, and that's kind of what the Jews did. And whenever man messes with God's law. It's lo he loses it, God's law's effectiveness and he starts to go away from the, the purpose of the law and it goes to man's own purposes. And so the rabbis were hard at work. 
When people came and said, well, does this constitute work or not? They had to come up with laws, and so they did. Hundreds and hundreds of laws where you were very much counting your steps, and this would be harvesting, and well, this would not be. This is a special situation, but definitely this is wrong. And so we have the Pharisees today as the ones that were masters in these laws. I'm sure in their head they were counting every step to the grain field. In their minds they were wondering whether their perfectly pleated robes and their tassels that were just the right length were getting dirty as they walked through these tufts of grain. In their mind they'd already thought about how they had given a perfect 10% of everything they earned through the week, even counting their spices. And then because they had all this extra time, they had to be the police force, making sure that others could achieve what they themselves had, were achieving. And, and really what had happened is they became their own religion <laughs> they're sitting there pondering all the things they had done to make them right on this day of sabbath and now it was their job to go and make sure others would find such rest too and so how dare you jesus allow your disciples to satisfy their hunger by grabbing a few tufts of grain and throwing it in their mouth that is a violation well it seems ridiculous when you read it isn't it it just but it's, it's still today. I just, we just had, had uh, a dinner in Mequon, and you go past the big temple there on Highway 76, and, and we were out to eat. You see people with yarmulkes. I, I've been to Israel twice. I've, I've seen what they still do. And the thing, and I've told you this before, that the thing that just amazes me, they, on the Sabbath day, they, they come and they, they will eat and, and, and drink at hotels and so that everyone is doing the work and they, they abstain from labor and they have a special elevator that if you press a button on this elevator, it's mechanical and that constitutes work so you have to use the Sabbath elevator that stops at every floor so you're not busted for doing work and they, they won't discipline their children because that is work on the Sabbath day so they let them run wild and yet there are still people that have to serve them on the Sabbath day. Someone has to make the food. Someone has to make the beds. It is just this weird weird thinking that somehow if we do this list that man comes up with so it's achievable and it has little to do with the heart. It's all these outside duties that somehow I'm good with God. I did my part. God's been worshipped. Horrible. And now they're calling out the Son of Man who is walking this planet to fulfill all the laws that we can never perfectly do and saying, how dare you? And so Jesus turns on them and says, really? I'll give you a scriptural example. David was hungry because he was sent on a mission by Saul. It wasn't really a good mission, but it was a mission that he was sent by Saul. And as he was doing this covert operation, he had to go and find some food. And there isn't much to be had around that area. So he goes, obviously, to the temple to talk to the priest because they would often have bread for humanitarian efforts. And he says, I need five loaves. My companions are about to gather with me, and we're, we're really hungry. They weren't starving to death, but they were hungry. They needed nutrition for their mission. And so he says, give me whatever bread you have. And oh, the priest's like, I don't have any any bread that you can eat that that's all gone all i have is this bread that's consecrated it's part of the payment for the priest and that's only to be eaten by the priests that's special consecrated bread but in this situation there was hunger and there was need and so he said well why not just take this bread it's for this good purpose and god did not strike them down with a lightning bolt God did not conveniently leave this out of Scripture because this was a violation of his Sabbath law. Not at all. And so yet we see the Pharisees trying to enforce something God never intended. And so Jesus comes with this very, very important sentence. 
The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God didn't create you and me to micromanage our lives, to give us these rules we had to obey. And when we follow the rules, God is happy, big smile on his face, and then we can be content. We're done with our worship. No, instead, God has to remind us in a very vivid way, stop, rest. And we never really can achieve it. I have to wonder in the minds and in the lives of the Pharisees if they ever really felt content in their hearts of hearts. If they ever really felt like they had done enough. And if they had, their hearts were so callous that they had deceived them to the point of of no return. God didn't make man so that you'd have a bunch of laws to obey so that you could serve God. No, God made the Sabbath for man. God said, this is the time that you need to rest. And and so now we've talked a lot about the Sabbath and you've learned a lot about stuff like the obscure reading from 1 Samuel about the, the sacred bread and you're wondering, why is this important for me today? God included it in Scripture, but but I don't wear a yarmulke and I don't worship on Saturdays. I get the freedom we have in Christ. But but I did this this last week. As I was visiting people in hospitals and, and nursing homes and homes, I asked the question, if you were to design a day of rest for yourself, what would that look like? Not one definition was the same. And probably about 10, 12 examples, not one of them came. You know, some were like, oh, well, that would be the day I would totally veg. I mean, I would be sitting on my bed. I would not get up. I would sleep. I would have the remote control in hand, and I would binge watch through four or five Netflix series. And and I would have food catered in, and I would just, that would be the day of rest. I would only get up if I had to use the bathroom or get a drink of water. No, not even that. I'm going to have that water delivered to me. This is my day of rest. It is going to be me doing nothing. Some immediately said, well, then, if it's a day of rest, it would have to be on a beach, toes in the sand. It would have to be where there was sunshine, five days in a row. This would be a time of rest for me. That's what I would do. If I was to have a day of rest, I'd have to chisel out something in another location. It doesn't happen here in Lake Mills. Others thought of things that, you know, they would like to do. I would like to just, if it's a day of rest, it has to be gardening. When I can finally get out all those weeds and stuff, that would be restful for me, but it's busy with activity. That doesn't seem very restful, does it? And, and so we could go down the list of all the things that people would plan for their day of rest, and maybe your definition for that day of rest would be far different. Now let me ask you a different question. If God was to design a complete 24-hour day of rest for you, what would that look like? What would be on God's list for you to find rest? Now that probably changes. I bet you you wouldn't say, oh, God would want me to take a vacation to Jamaica for a week, all-inclusive, do nothing, right? Is that, that would be the top of God's list when he says, Sabbath rest, all of a sudden, the definitions change from me watching Netflix to what would God expect of me? Well, it'd probably be me in his word, right? It'd be maybe me starting the day and gathering in church. It'd be me praying and maybe singing some hymns. It'd be me putting some coins in the plate. That's Sabbath rest, right? Because God wants me to obey his law. That's what we would probably think God is speaking about with rest. And you know what? We'd be completely wrong. Because the rest that lasts is a rest that has to be given by God. It's not something that we do or that we achieve. It's not something that we stop doing. Instead, it's something that God simply gives. We can't 
find rest unless it's a gift. How do I know that? Because my mind and heart very often is not at rest. And I can say definitively it never is completely at rest. And there's a reason for it because as I speak of me, I speak of you. Way back when God created man and woman, he created them in his image. They were perfect and holy. And when, when the sin came, the fruit was eaten and shared and then God confronted and the curse was made and sin has its effect and death now would be part of our life and the perfectness, the perfection of God's creation, it is very good, was gone. Everything was affected. And now creation tries to make things right again. Again, tries to somehow put this broken world back together by doing so many things and thinking, if I have this or do this, I will be at rest. The image that I have lost, somehow I will make right again and God will smile upon me and it doesn't work. But we do it. The world courts us. The world says, if you just do this, you go to a certain level of school, you go out and be successful and get enough coins in the coffer and be successful, you'll find at different stages you'll have this rest because finally I have achieved this. Finally I am free to do that. Finally I can say no to the other people that were over me and I can be a philanthropist. Finally I will be retired and then I can do anything I want to do. But what creeps in as we do this Relationships don't go as planned. Finances have their ebb and flow. The job we thought would be the one isn't the one that gets us what we need. And then health happens that isn't so good. And then the people that we thought we would be with in retirement when we truly be free are no longer sitting with us in the pew. And the world still says to work hard and do this and these things are restful. That they will be peace to us it's just it's counterintuitive even going back to creation how can broken sinful creation bring peace to broken and sinful people and yet our hands work so hard our minds are so absorbed and even when we go and plan a vacation it's happening today i'm getting in my car and driving and what goes into a vacation that's going to be this time of rest in the mountains well, is the oil change in the car? Is it going to make it there because it's got 200000 on it? What are we going to bring for snacks? Is everyone going to have a place to sleep? How are we going to handle the logistics of the vacation? We're not really sure if we're going to be able to do that. What if the weather turns bad? How are we going to feed 13 people? And I hope the weather is good that we can go hiking at least on two days because that's cheaper than some of the other things the kids want to do. And then you get busy at doing all these things. You go to bed exhausted. And before you know it, you're at the end of the vacation. And you look at the camera roll and there's some good moments among the vacation. Some things you can put on Facebook that says, wow, I like to have a life like you. Boy, you know how to find rest. But then you have to drive back home. And guess what? Everything in life is waiting for you. And you go back to the grind. And that's a vacation. That's a time of rest. Can't wait. Right? But... <laughs> Now think of your own life, and I don't care what age you're at, if it's school, if it's work, if it's sports, what is it that you go and you throw yourself into, and the business you come home, we're busy, busy, exhausted, exhausted. We walk around with bags under our eyes, waiting and trying to find rest, pursuing things that never fulfill. And so we realize just in the day-to-day -day that the rest that we seek cannot be found. And anything that we do with our hands 
And in the case of the Pharisees, it became their religion. All they did was worked, enslaved, and labored. The work of their hands became their religion, and they thought they had a place with God because of the family they belonged to and the things they did on Sundays and that they had done enough, and they didn't need a Savior anymore. In fact, they wanted nothing to do with the Son of Man who stood before them because they didn't think it was needed. Their hearts were fine. They were defined by what they did. And God says, that's not rest, that's not Sabbath. How dare you confront me? I'm over this law, but I put myself under this law. Jesus didn't grab any grain. Jesus was obeying the law. Even the laws of man that were put over him because he knew that there had to be something done, man was losing. The battle against sin, the battle against death, and so God had to intervene. And that's what Jesus was doing. He came to be the one who could live under these laws that were too much for us, the one who would never lose focus and become the wrong religion. He was the Son of Man who was greater than the Sabbath and the only one that could bring rest. The disciples were following him and still trying to learn how to discover this rest that was soon to be given. And it's not like the rest we think. Instead, it's a rest that God gives by sacrifice. And it's a rest that has to start in the heart. It's not what you achieve, and it's not what, what you do. It's simply what you receive. We are passive. God is active. How does this, this all work? Well, today God asks you to take a break. And I know you're giving an hour, maybe a little less today. My sermon isn't going to be as long. And, and you're saying, okay, now I'm done. And maybe in your mind now, because I'm planting the seed, you're thinking about what's for lunch and what's this afternoon and how much you have to get done before Monday hits. Can I ask this of you? Stop. Stop. <laughs> Stop it. Your mind already goes to work when God is here to give you rest. I'm giving you permission. God gives you permission to stop. To just receive and when he receives when you receive from him what god has to give it goes something like this i'll use a visual right in the sanctuary there's a pretty big visual in front if you look over my right shoulder i think you can see it's pretty dramatic we want it to be it's christ in front of the cross because everything that needed to be accomplished his obedience under the law so that he could become the sacrifice so that that the perfect life that God demands because of his law would be the life that Jesus would live and then also Jesus could be the one to whom all the punishment all the guilt all the shame God could vent it all on him and so that he could look on you today and absolutely smile and say my dear children not everyone knows this Outside of these walls, there are people that are frantic right now. They are trying to find peace and rest in things that will never give it to them. They have no hope beyond this life. And we sit side by side with them, caught in the same hecticness that, that the world says is good. And Jesus says, you'll never get rest in that. And I'm going to give this special thing that Father revealed to the Son and the Son is now revealing to his disciples then and to you today. He talks about rest that comes when you're yoked with Jesus and connected with him. But rather than my words spoken today, I'm going to give you Jesus' words. He was confronted more than once on the Sabbath violation. In this case, in Matthew, he's about to be confronted by the Pharisees again because he heals somebody on the Sabbath and they say that's work and that's wrong. Can you imagine? To heal somebody that had a lifelong affliction now becomes something that makes God angry because Sabbath law has been violated. And before he got to that, these are the words of Jesus. Look to the right of me. 
At, then just imagine Jesus saying these words, not to disciples then, but to you today. He says, At the time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children, like the little children gathered here today, seeking, seeking to learn from our God. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. You're not going to find this on CNN, Fox, and if Newsmax is now your new source to get the real information, it's not going to be there either. It's not going to come from the degree you have on the wall or the, the wisest man on planet Earth. It's not going to come from the CDC or anyone else that's on the TV. It doesn't come from Netflix. It doesn't come from Amazon Prime. It's not in your bank account. It's not in your 401k. It's not in your vacation plans this week. No one reveals anything to you that's going to give you any kind of rest unless it's God the Father through God the Son. All things have been committed to me by my Father, Jesus says. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Jesus has been revealed to you. You are privileged. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Do you feel the exhale? This rest is yours. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This doesn't mean that when you talk to Jesus in prayer, he becomes your genie. I need more cash, Lord, and cash immediately appears. I need to be cured, Lord, and immediately you are cured. I need to have that companion back, and immediately Jesus raises someone from the dead. That's not what he's talking about. He could do it. He can do it. He did do it. But what he says is more heart language here. I know this life is hard. And this world that you live in is broken and stop trying to achieve things that will never bring you rest. If you want rest for your heart and it needs to start there, come to me. And when you're yoked and connected to me, I make your burden light. I take away the big things. I point you to the fact that I'm in heaven right now watching over everything and using my power to make sure nothing will overburden you. I remind you of your baptism where your status was changed. You were washed and made clean. You are now a child of God and that status cannot be taken away. You do not find your status in what you achieve. You do not find your purpose in the work that, that you have done and, and you can and, and show the, the fruits of your labors. That is not what makes you you. But instead be yoked to me and I will make your burden light. And I have a plan that goes right through death to life eternal and then all the things that are wrong will be made right. And the life that is so hard will be made easy. This is what Jesus says to you. He has come to give you rest. And I remind you his words, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The laws of Scripture were not given so that you could obey them to make God happy. But instead, Jesus comes and says, I am telling you to find rest in me. And may you find it. May your heart be full of, of Jesus because the rest that lasts is a gift of God. The rest that lasts is Jesus and he's yours. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace and the rest of God which goes beyond our understanding bring peace to our hearts.
May our minds and may our hands find rest in the truth that Jesus is our rest. He is our Savior, and we are part of his plan for eternity. Amen.